welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. In one second, we're going to have children's church here. So in one minute, the children are going to go downstairs because I'm going to tell a story. And this story, the targeted audience is for nine-year-olds. So before our nine-year-olds leave, they need to hear my story. So with that, so... Um, yeah, I'm preaching this morning. First of all, I wanted to thank everybody. You know, um, I uh, got COVID about a week, uh, 10 days or so ago. The great thing about COVID is it spreads everybody in your house. So five out of six people in our home got COVID. The young lady on the front pew, amazingly, is COVID-free. She could not test positive if she tried. So congratulations, Elizabeth. So she, everybody else is, and Esther tested last, so she's still at home with it, uh, with some of the uh, some of the side effects, or I guess the, whatever, the symptoms of that, with that. But COVID, uh, let's go ahead and have our vote. Who here has had COVID? Wow, that's about 50. I say no, about 70% of our crowds here. I want to tell you, that early service, 845, only 20% of the audience raised their hand. So this is the 70% COVID crowd right here. So I'm now part of your club, so I'm glad to be a member. So with that, so we uh, have, have, have joined it with that group. But um, and as I appreciate your prayers and also for uh, many folks stopping by, bringing food, we just have such a generous, uh, caring, loving church for that with everything. This morning, I'm going to be preaching here on John the Baptist. I'm going to tell you this story about why, and then we're going to go to children's church. John the Baptist the Bible says people were expecting. There was this anticipation for what was going to happen. Something great was going to occur, the Bible says, when he came preaching. So we live our lives in anticipation, waiting for God to do something. It's always you're waiting for what's next out there with that. So last night, um, last night uh, because there's snow on the ground, and we live near Shilato Park, If you go outside at night under the moonlight in the snow, it lights up. So you can actually go to the park in the middle of the night with snow on the ground, and the moonlight reflects the snow, so it's actually very bright. So about 7.30 at night, we went on a walk, Sherry and I did. Um, And the reason why we had to go at that time, because I had to watch, see if Kentucky was going to beat Alabama, so I had to be home by 8 o'clock. So we went on a walk and and be home and make it in time. And we're out there walking, and it's 25 degrees. It's just freezing cold. And I bundled up and everything. So we're walking around the park. And I like to think of myself as a helper. What a helper would be if somebody's like lost or needs some help or they're confused at the park, I want to offer a, a helping hand. So we're walking down there. Now, this is 730 dark. So folks should be like getting home to watch Kentucky, getting home on Saturday night, get ready to come to church the next day. And we see these ladies. Now, I'm 43. These people were like 50-something. They're older than me. They've got their phones, and they're wandering around the park doing this. Looks like they've lost their earrings. And they're all ladies, grown ladies, not children, not nine-year-olds. And I think, okay, maybe they've lost their earrings. They've lost their wallet. Maybe they lost some money. So, I mean, it looks like they're looking for something. So the good man I am, Miss Osden right there, I embarrass her. So I walk up and say, ma'am, 
because they're just, I'm on the little pathway there, and they're just right off the side, because we've got to walk right by. I said, ma'ams, um, do y'all need help finding some stuff, or y'all look a little confused out here? We're 25 degree weather, we're walking around with our flashlights in the park. And they start laughing, so oh no, we don't, we don't need help, we're playing Pokemon Go. And I paused. For many of you don't know what I'm talking about. Pokemon Go is this game, and it's an app. It's called VR. It's where you run around on your phone, and you catch Pokemons. And you capture them in, an, in the egg hatches. And you see, if you see what you win. And apparently, you, you play at the park. And it's not just for children. It's for all ages. So I share this story for nine-year-olds because... There, you know, I think our lives, you have to think about it. What are we waiting on? What are we anticipating our life? And folks, if we're living for trying to catch our Pokemons, God this morning has a great message for so much more. So, all right, if you are a child and you are between the ages of zero and fifth grade, Miss Haley Lyons is going to stand here and wave to everybody. You want to come run on down, you get the joy and honor of going downstairs to Children's Church. All children, this is your opportunity to go to Children's Church. Parents, if you want to pick your children up after church, if you want to, they are in room C1. C1, that is downstairs, and you will pick them up. For those of you that are going to stay in big church, you want to open up your Bibles to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 we are going to read the story of John the Baptist. I'll tell you, this is one of my most favorite passages of Scripture here. Because we're going to see so much what I just shared about this living our life, waiting for the next thing, waiting in expectation. Even for me, you know, I tested positive, and so many folks in our city have gotten COVID, they told me the, the health department, they used to call you, but they don't call you more because they don't have the workers. So they just said, you just go in quarantine, and after five days of no symptoms, you just go back out. That's, um, and that's what they tell you is you take your test, because they, they, nobody calls you anymore because they, they're, they're so overwhelmed. And I think a lot of times, we might be waiting for the phone call from the health department. We're waiting for the government to tell us what to do. We're waiting for our employers to tell us what to do. We're, just, we're waiting for schools to say, do I get to go to school? I mean, every, you're here in Kentucky, every five days we have a snowstorm. And ice, if it's not COVID, it's going to be snow or ice. I mean, what a way to start the new year. And I think it's so, when you're out of your routine and you're not living in a consistent pattern in your life, a lot of times you're just going about things and you're just waiting. You're just saying, okay, what, what do I do? Do I have permission to go to church? Are we going to school? Are the restaurants open? And... And I think what we're about to see here in the Scriptures, what God's message for us today, according to the Bible, we should only be waiting for one thing. And folks, Jesus is returning. That's it. Everything else. Now, if we die, we see Him, so we don't want to wait to die. But we know Jesus is coming back. Or you're going to pass away, and then you stand before Jesus. Folks, that is our life. Living our life in anticipation, waiting for someone else to take care of us, to pay for us, to tell us what to do. That is no way to live the Christian life. We live our life for God. 
And every day that you don't do that, that is a missed opportunity. Jesus wants you to live for Him and to long and look forward to Him. If, if your life, if you aren't experiencing the power of God in your life, folks, that's your fault. It's not anyone else's. Because we're going to see here in the Bible, the Scriptures are very clear. He gives His Holy Spirit. We respond to the Lord and He fills us and we live for Him. John the Baptist was someone who boldly said we need to prepare and get ready for God. And today's message is you need to be ready for the Lord. Not down the road, but today. Look what God's Word says here. Luke chapter 3, verse 1. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, while Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod the Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, Tetrarch of the region of Ituria, and Trajanus and Lysinus, Tetrarch of Albaline, during the high priesthood of Annas and Cyphus. Now look at that. Basically, this is, there's many Herods. Herod the Great was the worst. But this Herod here, the Herod, this Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, he ruled in the region that Jesus and John the Baptist would have uh, come, uh, come of age and uh, began their ministry. And the, and the Herod family was not one of, of uh, living for the Lord and following God's law whatsoever. But during this time of wickedness, during this period of sin, during a period such as 2022, when it seems there's so much uncertainty and immorality around us, look what happens to John the Baptist. It says here, the latter verse 2, God's word came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Meaning God's word, the word came to John. All of a sudden, in a time of lostness, in a time when maybe very few people were following the Lord, all of a sudden, here comes God raising up a new prophet. It had been four or five hundred years since the last Old Testament prophet. That was Malachi. Now we're entering into the New Testament here. Jesus and John have been born, and now God has raised up this new prophet. And look what his, his message is. It says he was in the wilderness. This was a country preacher, not a city boy. This guy is in the middle of nowhere, out in the vicinity of Jordan, which meant he was outside Jerusalem near the Jordan River in a rural area. And he was out there proclaiming God's message. He went into all the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That's his message. He's calling people. You need to repent of your sins, turn from your evil life, and you need to be baptized. We baptize people right here. Under that cross is what we call a baptistry. What God wants for you is you get saved that means you were born again. That means Christ has come into your life, young person, old person. No matter what your age, you get saved. And then you follow, and believers 
baptism right here. John the Baptist is standing in the Jordan River baptizing people who are repenting of their sin and they're turning to the Lord. We are Baptists. If you don't know where you're at, you are in a Baptist church right now. That meant we practice believers' baptism. Believers' baptism isn't for lost people. Believers' baptism isn't for people who don't who aren't following the Lord, it's people who repent, believe, and they get baptized. So but what happens, you get saved, and then you get baptized. You don't get baptized and then get saved. If that's the case, your baptism is out of order. Then you need to get saved and then get baptized. John the Baptist here, he's telling everybody, you need to turn away from your sins. Baptism doesn't save you. We do it as a sign. You're showing to everyone, says, I have, been, I have been redeemed, I've turned from my sins, and I've received believer's baptism. As is written in the words of the prophet Isaiah. This is Isaiah 40. Isaiah wrote 800 years before John the Baptist about his ministry. It says, A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley will be filled, and every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight, the rough ways smooth, and everyone will see the salvation of God. John is calling people. He's calling folks that they need to make their paths straight. No longer are you going to live this way. He's coming preparing in anticipation. Something great is going to happen. The people were expecting the Messiah. They were looking forward. They were in this pitiful situation. And they were longing for redemption. I think about this in the Old Testament. Remember how the book of Genesis ends? Genesis ends with Joseph in Egypt. And he brings his whole family. There's only 75 of them at that time. So all the Israelites, Joseph's family, came to Egypt. And Joseph was the prime minister there in Egypt. And they gave him this real nice land called Goshen. It was in the northern Nile area. And it was real fertile ground. Because Joseph was a good man, Pharaoh let him stay up there. That's how Genesis ended. There might have been a time, or there is a time in your life, where maybe a relationship, a job, I hate to say it, even a church, it starts out good. It's, it's healthy. That is exactly where Joseph needed to be in all his family. But if you turn to the next book in the Bible, which is Exodus. Exodus chapter 1, things change. They start out in, in Egypt. And everything's going great. But 400 years pass from Genesis to Exodus. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 1 that a new Pharaoh arose who did not know Joseph. And he looked at all those people. That population had really grown. He looked at the people in Goshen and says, wait a minute. They don't just need to do whatever they're, they're doing. They need to become slaves. And Pharaoh and the Egyptians began to oppress them. They entered into slavery. What started good, what started healthy, 400 years later, became 
slavery. I want you to know something, some air things in your life. There might be uh, people in your life, and it started out good. And then all of a sudden, things have changed, and now it has become slavery. It has become a burden. That is when we find ourselves right here with John the Baptist. The, the Israelites, they were under Roman authority, and they were longing for more. They're like, we are Israel, but we have this Roman rule of Herod, of Pilate, of Caesar. They've got their entire system of government, and they're taxing us, they're taking advantage of us, and they want a Messiah. And I think a lot of times for us, we're looking for our next cue of what we need to do. And the cue is Jesus. That's who we need to be looking to. Folks, America, we, might st we did start out really good in 1776, but we are not promised a country of the future. Just because of the America of 1776 does not mean that will be the America of 2022. Israel started out good in Egypt, in Goshen. And then what became a blessing ended up being slavery. And it can happen to you. It can happen to us. This is why daily we need to be realizing we are preparing a way for the Lord. We look to the Lord. We long for the Lord. And we live a life of what John is calling the people to do. That is us. We repent of our sins and we turn to the Lord. Look what it says here, verse 7. Then he said to the crowds who came out to be baptized by him. Most preachers don't talk this way. John, when he got visitors, he wanted to run them away. Most folks beg for visitors. We beg for visitors. I feel like I'm a beggar around here. Verse 7. Then he said to the crowds who came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't start saying to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I'll tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. What the folks were saying, and what John knew what they were going to say. And I want to tell you this, I'm tying this in with us. We can do the same. Just because you were born in the South, just because you're a member of a Baptist church, just because maybe some point in your life, maybe you got baptized. Just because you had a blessing of having a Christian mom and dad, Christian grandma and grandpa. Folks, without Jesus in your life, none of that matters. Christ is looking for us who are repenting of our sin and we're living a life that is consistent with that. Salvation. What happens? You get saved. You surrender your life. You repent of your sins. You trust Jesus is your Savior. A lot of different words describe the same act of a transformational experience that God saves you. Then the rest of your life, you are living for yourself, for video games, for making good grades at school, no, we live for the Lord. That's what, what John the Baptist is saying. He says, guys, y'all are sitting around waiting for some political savior or something to happen here for your nation of Israel. But you need to start turning to the Lord. 
Do you want to experience revival? You turn to the Lord. Do you want to see Lexington change? You begins with you turning to the Lord. You, Jesus changes lives one at a time. And He's telling us here, going around making excuses. Oh, we have Abraham as our father. They were trying to say, do you know what? We can trace our lineage back. We're the chosen people. We're going, we've got a free ticket to heaven. Folks, some of us might think this way. Cultural identity, cultural heritage, even though we are blessed to be a part of a wonderful Southern Baptist Convention, of a wonderful church that preaches the Bible, none of those things are a ticket to heaven. Jesus is our only hope. And we get to the point spiritually where we say, God, I want you. I'm not looking to the government. I'm not looking for any other direction but the Lord. Can you say that this morning? Can you identify with John where he's there to prepare a way for the Lord? says, Lord, I'm here to prepare a way for you. I want you to come. I mean, I'm not preparing for anything else. I want to see the Lord. That's what John the Baptist is saying here. He's saying the axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. That means folks who do not turn from their sins, folks who live a life of immorality and evil, they're lost. He says there's a reference to hell right here. And look what the people say. This is what we say today. The people said, the crowds look at him after he preaches this challenging message. And they say, John, what should we do? I hear your message. You're calling us to repent. You're calling us to live for God. What do we do about it? And he replied to them. He says, one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none. And the one who has food must do the same. He's saying, you need to start helping other people. Just like I helped those poor ladies play Pokemon, you need to go around helping other folks as well. He's saying, when you see, when you see needs, instead of making excuses or thinking, oh, someone else will take care of that problem, you do it. I was, you know, our children play upward basketball and basketball. Uh, Back before I got locked, shut down, like two weeks ago at practice, I was coming out of the church and we're going to our car. I saw this poor guy, he was changing his flat tire. Folks, I'm going to confess. I remember I'm a helper, but I'm not very good of a helper, but at least I offered help. Poor man needed some help. It's freezing cold because all it is is 15 degrees everywhere you go in this city. I said, Sir, do you need help changing your flat tire? I've got a flashlight on my phone, I can hold it. I offered, but deep in my heart, I'm thinking, I hope he doesn't ask for help. Hope he doesn't ask for help. Hope he doesn't. And luckily, he says, no, I've almost got it. And luckily, he did. But you know, the, the principle is, God is telling us, when we, we are going to live out our faith, showing to other people that we aren't stingy, that we aren't, that we aren't selfish. And gosh, we live in an incredibly selfish culture. The Lord is telling us, you're going to be that person that goes and helps other people in need. So then these tax collectors, these are your thieves, they come along and they said, tax collectors came to be baptized. And they said, teacher, what should we do? I mean, I'm a tax collector. I, I take advantage of folks. And they said, John the Baptist said in verse 13, 
don't collect any more than what has been authorized. Meaning, don't rip people off. Don't price gouge. Don't take advantage of inflation. You know, if you own the store right now, it would be very easy to raise your prices as high as they want to go and just say, well, it's inflation. That's price gouging. He's saying, you don't need to do that. People are hurting. There's needs out there. People are suffering. So then some soldiers come up, and they question John. and say, John, what should we do? They say, you don't take money from anyone by force or false accusation. And be satisfied with your wages. That meant they meant low wages. So you don't go steal from folks or make a false accusation and take advantage of people just because you have a weapon. Then you're physically stronger and you could do it. John is calling disciples, followers of him and the Lord, that they should live lives that are different than our culture. And Christ is calling us to do the same. When our entire culture is one that doesn't want to help others, that wants to rip people off and lie, and that wants to take advantage of the weak. And we live in that culture today. If you're weak, you will get taken advantage of. And the Lord is saying, you you, you don't live that way. That's not for you. The Lord helps the weak. He goes on to say here, now this is the main verse. Verse 15. Now the people... We're waiting expectantly. They knew God was going to do something. Do you come to church this morning expecting God to do something? You looking forward to hearing from the Lord? Did you wake up and say, this is the day the Lord has made? You woke up and you're waiting for spring. You're waiting for the snow to melt. You're waiting to get in some type of routine. Yeah, guys, I'm the most routine man in the world. I literally just live by routine every single day. That's how I'm the most productive at all. Routines make you productive. So when you get out of that, you're unproductive. But the most important of all our routines is we are living and waiting for God, not for anyone else. And he says here, the people are just waiting expectantly, and all of them were questioning in their hearts, whether John might be the Messiah. Now, John is the cousin of Jesus. And look what he says. So he knows what they're waiting. And he's about to tell us a powerful statement about what baptism is. He says, I baptize you, verse 16, with water, but one who is more powerful than I, he's coming. There's someone coming behind me. And he's going to baptize, and I'm not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. And what will this man do? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Do you all know what that means? That means you have had a time in your life that you've accepted Christ. You are saved and the Holy Spirit has come inside of you and made a home. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Baptism of the Holy Spirit means you're saved. Say, what about fire? What does that mean? How do I baptize in fire? We don't light people on fire in the baptistry. They jump in the water and cool off. That's not what baptism of fire means. Baptism of fire means you're going to be going through tough times. Fire was used in the Bible to refine people. It means you're going to go through a time of testing. Our life, our Christian life, it is not easy. There will be challenges. There will be prayers you will pray all the way up to eternity, and you'll wonder, God, why didn't you answer that prayer? 
Why are these children living in rebellion? Why doesn't this person follow the Lord? Why is this not happening? Why did this happen to me? Why did I go to the doctor and get this diagnosis? You, through a period of the baptism of fire, are refined and drawn closer to the Lord. God uses circumstances in our life to bring us and draw us closer to Him. Last week, I worshipped online. And Brother Anderson, I appreciate your words. Online worship, it's great if you're sick or you're traveling. But other than that, I wouldn't recommend it. It is not the same as coming to church. Sitting on the couch watching TV just doesn't feel the same. But that's what I had to do last week, and that's what I did. So I was watching the services, and Todd Ott preached. Now, I actually have a quote up here of what he said. He made a statement that's absolutely true today. Todd said, If you live at the level of belief, the level of belief is how we live our life. This is what we do. We, we, we believe things. There's things we, go, we live by. The next, here's a problem with the level of belief. The next clever belief that comes along, you'll change. So right now, it's 2022. This is what you believe. But in 2023 and in 2024, something else might come along. And they might teach you something different. They might have some new ideas. New and improved. It's better. And if you aren't careful, you will change your beliefs. But here's the difference. God wants you to live at the level of conviction. The level of conviction is where John the Baptist lived. It is conviction that has to stand up and say, the Bible says this, this is why I do this. When the entire culture in our city is going in this direction, and you know that's not what the Bible says, you're swimming upstream. You're going a different direction. It's a counter-cultural life. That is what conviction is. Conviction is what John the Baptist had so that he can stand up, and we're about to see these words, and boldly proclaim to Herod and saying, you shouldn't be living that way. That's sinful. Look what he does here. This is a man of conviction. Verse 17, his winnowing shovel is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. But the chafe, he will burn up with fire. That never goes out. I've never harvested wheat or anything like that, but apparently, from what I've read about it, you get the wheat and you, I guess they do this today, you throw it up in the air, and the wheat, which has weight, it falls to the ground, and the chafe, which is just like dust, it blows away. He's saying that's what's going to be like at the judgment. People who are not who have conviction, people who do not have Christ, they just blow away. They won't make it. And I want to tell you, during COVID or times of change and difficulty when when they get hit they'll blow away if you do not live a life of conviction you won't make it that's why so many believers brother innocent are just falling out of church they're just on the sidelines and they're wondering why am i not experiencing a closeness to god why is the lord's presence not near me why can't i draw near and see revival personal revival in my life because they've blown away. The separation is with wheat and chafe. And the ones with weight 
fall to the ground. The others blow away. Then along with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. That's the good news is the gospel. John, even though he was a hard preacher, he also preached good news. The good news is people have the opportunity to get saved. They turn from their sins and turn to the Lord. But John the Baptist was one of these guys. He had a short ministry. He didn't last very long. In fact, he only had one sermon. His sermon was basically turned to Jesus. That was about it. That's all he got to preach. Because he'd, when, you're, when you're preaching the truth, a lot of times you start preaching against Herod. And then you start preaching against Herod, you run in a foul. And for us, how would it mean for us? One day, we have, we're, the most, we're the best nation in the world. We're blessed to be Americans. We have religious liberty. But listen, just because we have liber- religious liberty today doesn't mean tomorrow we will have it. There might de- be a time, and it's coming, that censorship exists here in churches. The pulpit is censored. All of a sudden, Christians, they just don't have the freedom to go out and share their faith freely. That's why we take advantage of every opportunity to be a witness for the Lord. Because we might not get another opportunity. The more and more I realize with folks, I even realize this with a sermon. I would go prepare these four and six week sermon series thinking, oh, I'll just guide people for four to six weeks. I'm lucky a lot of times folks just come one or two times and they hear it. I learned this at teaching VBS. Because the children that come Monday aren't going to be there Tuesday. And the children that show up Wednesday won't be there Thursday. So you just, every opportunity you have, that conversation, you make the most of it. Because you aren't, because those kids that come to you through this week, doesn't mean the next week they'll come. It's one and done everything now. And when God has brought people and conversations in your life, at work, at school, and the, among the neighbors, among your friends, and He wants you to maximize and take advantage of those conversations. And right here, John, look what it says in verse 19. But when John rebuked Herod, the tetrarch, because of Herodias, his brother's wife, said, what, Pastor, what's he talking about? John the Baptist, he lived under this man named Herod the tetrarch. Herod the tetrarch, he had a brother named Philip. And he looked at his wife. Then he looked at his brother's wife and go, you know, my brother's wife seems to be a little more attractive than my wife. I think I'll divorce my wife and I'll go marry my sister-in-law. He stole his brother's wife. And John the Baptist says, that's sinful and wrong. That's not the right thing to do. Well, she didn't like that. Probably Herod didn't like it either. So what happened to thee? What happened to John? All the evil things he had done, referring to Herod. Herod added this to everything else. He locked John up in prison. Listen, folks, John never got out of jail. That was his last time. He preached against Herod. He found himself in jail. And Herodias, this woman, later on, a few chapters later in Luke, she had him beheaded, served on a silver platter. That's a barbaric thing to do, but that's the prophets of God. That man baptized Jesus. The very, John's ministry was short, but he did something incredibly significant. He 
prepared the way. What this means, and how I want to conclude this this morning, prepare the way means to get people's attention on what's most important. To wait expectantly. Listen, folks, listen. We aren't waiting for the government to tell us that it's safe to go outside. We aren't waiting for, for um, a sports team. We're not waiting for the Olympics to be over with. We're not waiting for TV shows. We're not, we're not waiting for school or to take off our mask. God is telling us, you need to just, the way has been prepared. You today, first Sunday in February. It's time to live for the Lord. There's no excuse. John the Baptist paved the way for Jesus. Jesus walked down that road and says, I'm going to die on cross for you so the entire world can be saved. And folks, if you are here waiting for someone else to tell you what to do for some direction, I'm telling you, your direction's here with, with God. The Lord is giving us our guidance right now. Every day you live for Jesus. We maximize every conversation, every friendship, every prayer. A missed day of prayer is a missed day of being in God's Word is a missed day of your life with the, with the Lord. And you'll never get that back. You miss your morning prayer time, you'll, that's one less morning the rest of your life. You'll get with God. One less prayer you get to pray, morning beginning with him. The Bible's telling us, John the Baptist, he's preparing the way. He's saying, now is the time. Now is the time to stop waiting and realize that now is the time to live for the Lord. Now is the time for prayer. Now is the time for fasting. Now is the time for evangelism. Now is the time to say, I'm going to start waking up and, and following the Lord. Some of you this morning, I don't know what you're waiting on, but God is saying the answer is Jesus. That's the answer. That's like a Sunday school answer. Everything you go to church say, what's the answer? Jesus is the answer. And it is. John the Baptist is saying, you don't need to be waiting on some outside official to tell you what you do. You live for today. This morning, I want to ask you, have you ever been saved? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? And listen, if you haven't, let me ask, what are we waiting on? Are we waiting for next Sunday? Are we waiting for next month? Are we waiting for the summer? Next year? There's no reason to wait. Maybe you've not been baptized. What are we waiting on? There's no reason to wait. God tells us with John, now I've come to prepare the way. The people were waiting expectantly, and John says, here I am, and here's Jesus. That's who you're waiting on. This morning, I want to encourage you. Just like John encouraged the people, his listeners, they repented of their sins, they turned from their old way of life, and they began to what they call produce fruit in keeping with repentance. That meant daily they're living for the Lord. This morning's message is, who are you waiting on? Jesus is here wanting to take advantage of your life and give you direction of what you need to do 
and where you need to go. And he's calling you home this morning. Beecher, I'm going to ask you to come forward. We're going to have our time of invitation. We're going to sing a song here, as we always do. We close our opportunity. Zach's going to come stand up here with me. And what we do, folks, you all know this, I'm going to be standing down here waiting, as I just said. Zach will be waiting. You come make your decision public. John called the people to publicly respond. And we're calling you this morning to respond to God. We give our lives to God. If you want to get saved this morning, like I talked about baptism, or definitely make this your church home. Wonderful Bible-believing church for all ages of your family to grow closer to the Lord. So let's all stand together. Beecher and the band's going to lead us in our song, and Zach and I will be waiting up front.